0: We just messengers, so appreciate that. I guess you're supposed to when messengers deliver messages like uh, Western Union. You're supposed to give them a tip. Well, thank you for the tip. <laughs> we were just the messengers, by the way. But nonetheless, uh, God's people have been so good to us over the years, and and, and I and I know uh, a lot of preachers wish they had churches uh, like the one we have here at Calvary. The group and the people, as I've often said, have been. Uh, such a blessing over the years in, in ways that, uh, I don't know, your rewards are coming. You get to heaven. Because God, t- God does take care of those who take care of God's uh, pastors and God's messengers and so on, you know, God does bless them. God blesses them richly. There's no doubt about it. So, anyway, a revival anytime and place, part three. Or well, you could say it, uh, a revival anytime, place, anyhow. So, Psalm 63, we're looking at, uh, we, we've actually spent the last two messages in verse 1, and we'll spend today in verse 2, and uh, a little reference back to verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land, where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary." And so as we continue to glean important lessons from Psalm 63 in order to understand steps that we can take to experience personal revival anytime we need to. And that's the important aspect of Psalm 63 is to help us to realize that if we're just going through a bad day, we can have revival. It may have to be a lunchtime revival where you say, man, this morning was a total disaster. And Lord, I need to have some time with you. And you go out and get some face time with the Lord on, at lunch hour. And you kind of go through a mini revival and you get back in somewhat refreshed. Uh, Wednesday night is one of those. It should be a revival time. At least you've already had Monday, Tuesday and all, all of Wednesday out in the world. Uh, it's, not a lot of, it's, it's not a beautiful world to be out in. I mean, the, as you look at the scenery, it may be, but uh, we're living in very dark times getting darker uh, with each and every passing day. The, morality is, the immorality is increasing exponentially. Uh, it seems like every time the uh, American populace can thumb the nose at God, they're going to do it. They're going to take the opportunity to do so. And uh, they are so vested in an ideology that lying is just part of the, it's, part, it's, it's part of the agenda being uh, lying and being deceitful is just what they feel they have to do in order to attain to their ends. And of course, they're hitting in, a, in an ideology that is a, a worldview, not a biblical view. And of course, in our ideology, we have a biblical view which actually directs us to see what we need to see according to God would have us to see it. So anyway, bad days and weeks or periods of time in our lives that leave us feeling defeated can do, can can happen, uh, and they do happen anytime and without warning. So if we take to heart and map out Psalm 63 that we will have a ready series of steps that we can take to diminish those moments of defeatism and discouragement as we face them. And so it's always good there to be able to take, and as you're going through a psalm, and it begins to speak to you, and you take notes there, or you make a mental note and say, well, you know what, Psalm Psalm 63 shows me how I can recover from this period of discouragement or this period of defeatism. And so the last several weeks, we have mapped out several steps, such as number one, chasing after, each one begins with a chasing after God, because we need to, we need to pursue God, don't we? Uh, there's one of the things I think a lot of Christians forget that we have to pursue God Uh, we have this idea that God is going to chase us down no, he's given us the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, he has given us the word of God he doesn't need to chase us but from time to time he does need to chase us and so we begin each one with a a chasing after God by scheduling a regular time uh, every day to meet with God and to keep that time regardless of how you feel the uh, Nike expression is just do it. Well, there was a just do it in the Bible before it was on the Nike uh, mo- uh, logo or whatever you want to call it, uh, for sure. And we saw that in verse 1 of uh, 63. It says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. And so he was once again expressing that he has no other gods. He has no other images. He has no other idols. There's but one God for him and that was God Jehovah. And so Number two was chasing after God by using pain as a stepping stone and not a reason to quit. And also, again, verse one, we were looking in there, and it says there, um, he uh, said, "My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee, in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is." And so, this was probably a spiritual drought. It was probably an emotional drought or taxing, if you will. But he was going through some uh, some emotional, spiritual. Uh, moments which was like being in a dry land. I don't know if you've ever really been in a place where you've really, really been thirsty. Uh, we were vacationing over in uh, uh, just up in uh, Bridgeton, up on uh, Moose Lake, and uh, we stayed up. Um, I can't think of the name of the mountain now, I just forgot about the name of the mountain. But anyway, uh, a bunch of us decided we're gonna go, go hiking up the mountain and we're gonna go blueberry picking. Well, somehow, four of us got turned around up there and we came down on the other side of the mountain. And we didn't have any water with us. We had nothing. And so by the time we got to the main road, because we knew the at least main road, we knew where 302 was. The main road was off, always off to the right of where we were. And so, but it just took us forever and ever and ever and ever to get down. And we reached a point where you couldn't turn around and go back. But I mean, when we came to that first little, uh, little stop, the quick stop along the way there, man, we were, oh, man, I, we were parched. We were thirsty. Beyond any guy, I, I, I would not have, want to have to go a couple of days in such situations as that, because I'm sure that can be quite uh, anguishing, both physically and mentally. So we need to be able to use our pain as a stepping stone and not a reason to quit. A lot of people throw in the towel because it gets a little bit rough, gets a little bit tough along the way, and, uh, and of course the old saying goes that, "Oh, uh, uh, I'm going to mess it up, so I'm not going to say it." Probably you think, "What you know, what I'm going to say." About... When the, when, the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Oh, yeah. There we go. So, And uh, uh, our toughness is is uh, resides in the Lord. And we know that he can guide us and direct us. So tonight we're going to be looking at something along the line of spiritual laziness. And a lot of times that's how we end up getting ourselves into trouble there from verse 2. Uh, verse 2 simply says there, uh, To see thy power and thy glory. Uh, I don't know what you hunger and thirst for. Now, Bible, we're supposed to hunger and thirst after the word of God. But we should also be... Uh, uh, hungry and, and, and uh, anxious not in the bad sense but in the good sense to be able to see the power and the glory of God at work, amen uh, seeing souls get saved, that's the power of God at work, seeing uh, individuals or homes and churches undergoing revival, that's the power of God at work, that's his glory and so chasing after God, allowing our past to stir up our affections in verse 2. Now the hymn that we sing from time to time is right on target with this point. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And we tend to get busy and when problems arise and seem insurmountable, we need to look back and see what God has done in our lives during other difficult times. He's always been there for us. He's always been available. We may, we may not have taken advantage of his promise that he had never leave us or forsake us. But the truth is, we know that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And so we need to take advantage of the fact that he is there. And so while it may seem this one issue is the granddaddy of all, there is never any problem so big that God is not bigger that he doesn't have a plan for it. Amen. And sometimes we get to that point where nobody has ever gone through what we have just gone through or nobody's gone through what we're going through. Well, that's not true. The devil's told you a lie, you bought into the lie, and you have to realize that there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, There is no temptation but such as is common to man, which means that someone's done it or gone through it and had to deal with it at some point in their lives. Now, whether they went through it successfully, it doesn't always record that, but we do have a record in the Bible of those who did uh, go through those, and they came out on the other side, such as Job or Joseph, for for that matter. Uh, They came through their trials, Uh, Good as gold. I mean, it wasn't an easy, it was not an easy uh, time. Uh, We know that Job suffered greatly. We know that, uh, I believe, Joseph also suffered greatly, um, perhaps maybe more emotionally than anything else. And, of course, uh, losing his freedom by being a servant uh, in the house of Potiphar than being a a servant to the jailer, if you will. But while it may seem that the one thing that we're going through at the time is that granddaddy of all... Uh, God is still bigger than the problem. So Moses sent 12 spies, amen? Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan, and all 12 spies saw the same things, the same incentives, and the same obstacles. They saw them, what one saw, the others all saw. So 10 gave an evil report. Two gave a very positive report. What was the difference? Well, the two spies remembered the greatness of God. And as they looked around the land and they saw the walled cities and they saw the giants and they saw the well-armed, whatever it was that was in there, the armies and the different people in there, uh, they saw them through the eyes of God. And it's amazing how you can see things differently when you're allowing God to direct your vision. And that's important. Our focus and our vision must be. Uh, initiated from God, which means that we we have to have a relationship with God. Uh, Even as a Christian, I say that as a Christian a relationship, one that is a relationship where we're in harmony with God. And we sense that. And that's the first thing we see. We look at something and say, wow, but my God's still bigger. My God's greater along the way. So anyway, the 10 spies forgot about their past experiences with God. Now that's, that's sad commentary on all of this. They had been 40 years wandering through the wilderness. And that means even that next generation who had gone through the wilderness with them saw the same things that God had done for them. So the ten spies forgot about their past experiences with God. The two spies remembered the greatness of God as they had gone through the wilderness wanderings. The ten focused on the strength of the opposition with with a diminished view of God. The two spies looking through the lens of God's greatness saw a diminished opposition. My God is bigger. My God is able. Uh, we ought to sing that song, My God is so strong, My God is so big, and so on like that. And those are kids' songs, but you know what? They're based on absolute fact and truth that sometimes we as adults, we just get too big for our britches, you know, and we're so afraid to sing, sing those little songs. they oh, be careful little eyes, what you see on here, and all, all those kind of things there. And uh, Maybe we we kind of miss that a little bit from our uh, having little ones around the house when those were the songs that we would teach them and we would sing them with them and they would love them and it would remind us. And so... The uh, the ten spies looking through the lens of God's greatness or diminished opposition. So we have this promise of God in First Corinthians chapter ten and verse thirteen. Uh, there hath no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will suffer you to, to who will who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with the temptation make also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now. Does that mean that God's going to take us out of the midst of it because we are begging him that we don't want to go through this any longer? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means that he is going to get us through it, and he actually may have an exit. I, I, I can't say he, he isn't always going to have an exit, but we can't say, now, Lord, you promised you're going to get me out of this thing. He said, well, I promise you I'd go, go through it with you. And that is the one promise you can count on. He will go through it. And as we exit the, the temptation uh, or the trial or, the, uh, or whatever it is that we're going through that we're finding very unpleasant emotionally and spiritually or maybe even physically or financially, the truth of the matter is that God, God uh, uh, he will have an exit plan, whether it's the, all the way through or somewhere in the middle in between there. But we have to realize is that that's, up to, that's, that's his discretion, not yours or mine. Lord, get me out of this mess because I'm uncomfortable. Well, you're probably in that because that's where God wants you to be and he wants you to be uncomfortable so that you can uh, look to him and and get closer to him or draw closer to him. Um, And sometimes that's the incentive behind what James wrote in his epistle uh, that uh, we need to uh, uh, grow closer to God. And uh, so when we get too busy, the important activities of spiritual growth tend to take a back burner, don't they? We get very, very busy with our day, and we get very, very busy with our week. Maybe it's a very busy period in, uh, in our lives, and uh, we begin to realize it's been—it's been hours, it's been days, it's been weeks, maybe months, maybe it's been a year, and we haven't even taken time to pray really adequately. Uh, we uh, we prayed together with the pastor in church, and maybe in the Sunday school class, so on, and that's when we open our Bibles. But in the meantime, we don't really have any personal time with God because we've just been too busy. Well, the truth of the matter is that that is—that's a growing weakness that just kind of. Well, we become less convicted about it as time goes on until some catastrophic event happens in our lives. And so we find ourselves being overcome by life, the issues of life. And rather than instantly thinking on our past experiences with God, we allow the flesh to take over. And the flesh will beat you down trying to get what it wants. It will beat you down spiritually trying to get what it wants uh, from the world, if you will. So when we think of the miracles God did in the midst of Israel in their wilderness, wanderings and uh, parting the Red Sea, turning undrinkable water into refreshing, healthy water, water from a rock. The fact is that their, their clothing didn't wear out all 40 years in the wilderness wanderings. And all the things that God did for them, the, the provision of, 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 of the fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, when to rise up and move and when to halt and settle down for a little bit. And all the things that God did for them. And, they, and they, they knew that there was a God. And yet, these ten spies came back. And was able to convince all those others. That the God who parted the Red Sea. The God who brought water from a rock. The God who was with them on a continual day-to-day basis. And manifested himself by giving them manna every single day. Now that was God's gift to them, that manna, every day. And it just goes to show you that there are times in our lives when we become uh, displeased with God because God is providing exactly what we need, when we need it, as we need it, and yet we can find fault with God for doing just that because we become dissatisfied. So here we have a people who had so much with which to draw from. And the massive number of Israelites beyond uh, uh, Joshua and uh, Caleb who said, we can do this. God is going before us. And God said he's going to give it to us. God doesn't lie. Many others could have told the ten spies you're all wet behind the ears because we have a God that can do anything. Because we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We've been part and parcel to it all. But it's amazing how so very little it takes to get us distracted, and how so very little it takes us to be get down on God. But you brought us out here in the wilderness, and and, and you're going to kill us out here in the wilderness. Well, listen, I would rather die in the wilderness being led by God than to die in captivity as a slave and a servant. Amen. Uh, if that's what God wanted. Wanted to kill me, then go for it, Uh, that's for sure. So, and yet at the slightest difficulty, they immediately cried, they murmured, and they chided, and they grumbled, and they wanted to quit and return back to Egypt to be slaves once again. How quickly they forgot God. And part of the reason being that they would become complacent. As soon as God had done wonders in their presence, they became complacent. I believe they began to take it for granted that God was just going to be there doing all this for them. And that all they had to do was kind of sit back and relax. And so they had become spiritually lazy. And so rather than talk about the greatness and the strength of God, they would quickly find fault with God. Now some of the Psalms, David penned were times when he reminisced about how God had always been there for him. Lamenting the times when he had not been, and I'm sure that we can all identify with that, the times that we can lament that we hadn't been w- with God as we should have been, but God has always been with us. And so he would recount, and uh, I don't know, maybe those are the incentive behind uh, Count Your Blessings, named them one by one, as you go through the Bible, and especially in David's, uh, in David's uh, uh, life than he knew that uh, that uh, he could look back and see how God had shown Himself strong on his behalf, and so even in some of the lowest points in David's life, he could look back and he could see God was there. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to go back and look at not not to uh, reminisce in a, in a bad sense, in a positive sense, and simply say, "Listen, I was pretty low." At this particular time, and you know what? God sent the right person. God sent the right individual. God sent the right devotional for me, and it, it just kind of lifted my spirits for that particular day. And so we can we can look back and see the wonders of God's work. And so in verse one of chapter of Psalm 63, David acknowledged. Acknowledges one of those times that he's in the wilderness, as we had expressed in point number in point number one. O oh God, thou art my God; early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee; my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. So I mean, he's going through this this emotional crisis, a spiritual crisis, but he is at, at least acknowledging that that God. Uh, was not only just his God, but he was going to seek to God early because God has the answers. Isn't that what Peter said when Jesus talked to him about it? And he said, well, who do you mean to they am? He said, thou art the Christ and so on. And and he asked uh, Peter, he said, well, are you going to go like the other 70 did? Walk away from me? And he said, no, uh, because you have the words of life. And so we have to recognize that, that God does have answers. And <laughs> answers that we need. And so he commits them. David commits himself to rising early to spend time with God. To prepare his day. And if you're going to be a king, if you have any great responsibilities, then meeting with God is important. Uh, making sure that you do, uh, and you do it adequately so, so you're prepared for the day. Uh, and number another thing I hear is that his soul, David's soul, uh, was longing for the refreshing presence of the Lord, as we saw from verse 1. Now, in that wilderness, away from the temple, away from Jerusalem, David was longing to see the power and the glory of God when he was at peace in Jerusalem in verse 2. He said to see thy power and thy glory. That's not a bad part to make in uh, your prayer life. Lord, I want to see your power today. Lord, I want to see your glory. And he may exercise it through you or you may see it in uh, God exercising it through the life of somebody else along the way. But David was longing Almost to the point of a heartache and a heartbreak to see the power and the glory of God when he was at peace and in Jerusalem. So what do you see about the power and the glory of God in the wilderness? Um, if the wilderness that he was in, in in Gedi was anything like the wilderness that Peg and I saw when we were over there and I, I can see why he might be a little bit discouraged or why he might find it very disparaging to be there at that particular moment in time that you almost wonder where, where is God in this wilderness? Where is the glory of God? in this desert, dry, arid area. And so he wanted to see that. I'm sure he has seen it quite often in Jerusalem and in the confines of that area. So there's a great deal of wisdom in looking back on those experiences and being reminded that God cares. So I'm going to have to get that pity party. I don't, I, the idea that maybe God doesn't care about me as much as I thought he cared about me. But well, he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And so there is a great deal of wisdom in looking back not only does God care, but that God loves us and that there is nothing that he cannot do. And he may want us to learn a few things, so the quicker we learn, the quicker we can move on. Amen. Because we're going to mumble, murmur, and complain, then we're going to spend a little more time there until we get over that. So we need to be careful when looking back that we, get, that we don't get stuck there, but use our past to move us forward trusting God. So the idea is that we're lessons learned. We take them with us to help us learn and deal with new opportunities in our future. And if we are willing to admit we have become lukewarm spiritually due to spiritual laziness and we purpose to get right with God, then revival is underway. Revival time, anytime. But you've got to get alone with the Lord. And you've got to want it. You've got to hunger for it. You've got to thirst for it. You have to crave to see his power and his glory. Because that really, in essence, that's what revival is, isn't it? It's not just waking people up. But it's actually seeing God, the power of God and his glory at work. And that should thrill us. But like Vance Havner said, revival in this day and age usually means that the sleeping Christian only wakes up long enough to roll over on the other side. And go back to sleep. Well, that's not much of a revival, but that's how long a lot of revivals last. When we should be having revival all the time in our prayer closet, in our time with God. That should be a, rev- a reviving and a refreshing time. Amen? All right. We got some prayer time here tonight. <clears throat> and I was just thinking about how good God's been because my throat was getting sore now. Talking tonight. I <clears throat> just remember. The Bos- the Ruby, and uh, I forgot to change it on our list here, but uh, remembering the Boswell family, and the uh, graduating home of uh, Willie to the Lord. Uh, I did add Jack, Jackie Labrie, uh, my granddaughter. Uh, Peg, when did she, when did uh, Tammy say she's due? In June. In June. Okay. Uh, I put down spring, summer. That'll work. All right. I don't think I added it. Oh yeah, my I, my sister talked. I talked to her a couple times um, this week already, and uh, my brother-in-law has been in and out of the hospital, complications from kidney problems, kidney stones, stents, infections, one after another. So I talked to yesterday, and yeah, yesterday, and he was in the hospital, or this. The, I don't. I, I talked to her within the last 24 hours, and. Uh, so he's in the hospital right now and uh, hoping to be able to bring him home. They're, they're going to take the stint out, I think, take out the stint tomorrow. Jack has toe surgery tomorrow, 11 o'clock. <laughs> but let's also give great praise uh, to God for the work he's doing in Barb Mallow's life. Uh, to get a report of 80% and uh, there, I mean, it, it was like a day or two, it was kind of really kind of looking pretty bleak. But our God is a great God. Amen. Amen. So continue to pray that uh, God's will be accomplished here. And also, uh, my uh, youngest son, Rick's mother-in-law, is in the medical center over here. Um, She's been on cancer treatments, aggressive cancer treatments. She's lost so much weight that they're actually putting her in the hospital over here in the medical center. So remember Lena Palmerville, if you would, and I'm sure she would really appreciate it. And she has mentioned uh, uh, on a number of occasions here that uh, she appreciates so much the prayer that we have for for her. All right, um, pray for the upcoming Pastors Fellowship on January the 19th. Continue to pray for Lorraine Hart. I believe she's doing uh, uh, quite well. And uh, so continue to hold them up before the Lord in prayer, if you will. All right, uh, any other prayer requests that we need to know here? All right, um, Clark and Isabel, how about group number one? Did you handle group number one for us tonight? Um